Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Joining us right now, Eric Coleman, nine-year NFL veteran, college football analyst for CBS Sports Network, and he also hosts on NFL Radio. Eric, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you fellas doing? We're doing, doing well, man. We're doing really well in a, a full weekend of football to talk about. I want to start with last night and, and the Giants and the Cowboys, and we know how much Odell Beckham Jr. means to this Giants offense, but they weren't able to muster a thing against a Cowboys defense. It hasn't really been a top-five defense over the last couple of years. Uh, what were some of your takeaways from that game last night? Well, first of all, you know, I, I, I was doing the analysis on the Jets game, and I, and I thought their offense looked pretty bad until I saw the Giants. <laughs> and, wow. And I, know the, and I know the reason why the Jets' offense – isn't this isn't as successful? But for the Giants, I mean, they have all the tools that you can ask for. Yes, they're they're missing Odell Beckham, but they still have Brandon Marshall, Sterling Shepard, you, you know, Eli Manning. So I, I expected a lot more from their offense. You know, I, I think up front, it, it's tough to win when you can't run the football or protect your quarterback. So they're they're going to have to do some things up front to to change it up to get some protection. Now, Eric, as a defender, though, when you take Beckham Jr. out of the equation, doesn't that free you up to pay attention to so many other pieces of that offense? So, I mean, it, it, it goes without saying, not having a, the firepower of Odell Beckham Jr. out there really opens up your defensive playbook. Absolutely. Uh, as a defender, when Odell Beckham's out in the field, you are, you are talking about where he is every play because mm-hmm. most of the time your coverage is based on where he's lined up. You know, I, I remember – Playing against uh, Steve Smith, you know, in, in his prime, and we were we were, we created a whole package to where we had to communicate wherever he was. If he was in the slot, we were going to play cover four and double team him with the safety in the nickel. If he was outside, we were going to play two man to him, and, and that opens things up for your tight ends, your, your your other receivers for the run game because you can't dedicate an extra defender to the box. You're double teaming uh, someone else, so that's one on ones with your second, third, fourth best cover guys. On, on a Brandon Marshall or, or a Sterling Shepard or, or, or one of their tight ends. So it, it really does open up what you can do as, as an offense. But, you know, maybe, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe when, once he gets back, they'll open up their offense and, and have a lot more success. It was just very disappointing to see them play as bad as they did on the grand stage after knowing that Odell Beckham wasn't playing. It, it wasn't like they had, you know, three days to, know, to find out if he was going to play. They had a couple of weeks to prepare for Odell Beckham not playing. You mentioned how you were doing the Jets-Bills analysis yesterday. The Jets, we know, really don't have a shot. I expected more out of the Bills on both sides of the ball. Uh, are, are the Bills almost as bad as the Jets are? <laughs> the, the Bills are pretty bad. Yeah, but the one <laughs> thing they do have, they have uh, Shady McCoy, and he's a, he's a game changer. I mean, you saw that yesterday. The, the Jets' strength is their defensive line. They're, they're front seven. And, and and I don't think anyone thought that the Bills would run the football as well as they did against the Jets. You know, I think that uh, it, was, it was a lesson for the Jets. They, they over-pursued a lot. You know, not knowing Shady McCoy is, is a, probably one of the best 
vision backs in the league. He has great vision. He sees the whole field, does a great job of cutting back, and, and he was really dominant yesterday. They didn't have an answer for him. But the, the Bills, uh, Tyrod Taylor was, was okay. At times he did a lot of his damage on his feet, running the ball, extending plays. So, you, I mean, they're, they're a long ways away. They have a, a tough schedule ahead of them. But, I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone's expecting the Bills or the Jets to, to come out of the AFC East and, and make a wild card. Does the, the Jets defense, do they give the Jets a chance to win, you know, five, six ball games <laughs> or, or, or no? Because they're going to have to lean on that D all season, it appears. Yeah, well, you know, coming into the season, I expected their defense to kind of to kind of hold them down. But yesterday, they they, they surprised me. They they were giving up runs up the middle. Uh, they they had a couple of mental mistakes in, in coverage. Uh, they were giving up a ton of big plays, and that's something that you know the Jets lead, were counting on their defense to to keep them off the field or to get the ball back to the offense, keep them in good field position. And, and I, I think, frankly, they were just too tired. You know, there were a lot of three and outs by the offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of wore down. You know, the first three quarters, they did a great job of, of, of keeping the score close. But, you know, I, I think it's just going to be a microcosm of the season when, when you wear them down on offense, when you don't have long drives. It's just going to break down your defense. You can't hold, hold up for that long. Gio Jones and Eric Coleman across the country on CBS Sports Radio, two quarterbacks that were just absolutely putrid yesterday were Carson Palmer and Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton, still a younger player, has a lot of weapons. Carson Palmer now with this David Johnson injury. I mean, this offense, I don't know what's going to happen with them. Uh, I'll, I'll start with the Bengals, though. Uh, why a shutout in week one with all the potential that they have on that side of the ball? You know, that, that's, that's very disappointing. I mean, you have so much time to prepare and to know what, what to expect from the defense. And for them to, to put up a zero what was very disappointing. I mean, they have they have the run game and Giovanni Bernard and Joe Mixon. Um, you know, they they have the weapons and AJ Green. They have so many players on that offense. It was very disappointing to see them get shut out. You know, that was a uh, it's, it's going to be tough sledding for the rest of the season if that's the way they're going to play on offense. But you, you know, to turn it over to the other side, Carson Palmer. I mean, this is a guy who Arizona their, their whole their whole. Um, organization has been kind of waiting on him to turn that corner. They had the easy offseason for him this year. Uh, Bruce Arians, was, it was much noted that they rested him a lot, trying to rest his arm. Bruce Arians thought in the past he's thrown too much. And, I mean, and then he goes out and just plays terrible. And that, that was very disappointing. And, and Bruce Arians even said it. You know, you, you can't throw the ball away as much as, as much as that. You know, when you're a veteran like Carson Palmer, these are rookie mistakes that you're making. You can't throw the ball in the coverage. You can't. Um, you, you have to be more accurate. And you, you're supposed to be a premier quarterback in this league and lead this team to, to hopefully deep into the playoffs. And you can't fumble the ball when you're in the red zone, David Johnson. I know he hurt his wrist, but still, there was there was a, there's a lot of blame to go around uh, for that football team. Another defense. I I, I, I want to think this is an aberration. What happened to the Texans yesterday? They didn't get to play that last preseason game. Of course, they're back in Houston dealing with the devastation of Harvey. Do you think this is just a one-off uh, offensively? Quarterback struggles. Dwayne Brown, of course, they're probably their best offensive lineman. He's still holding out. So you think this was just a, an anomaly and they get past this first week? I, I sure hope so. You know, because I think a lot of people are expecting good things from the Texans, especially that defense. And um, I, I think maybe they were just mentally exhausted after going through all the, the trials and tribulations from Harvey. You know, that has to be taxing on your team. 
You know, I, I know J.J. Watt has done great things in raising money for Houston, and, um, you know, their, their focus has kind of probably been away from football too much. You know, it's, it's easy to say, you know, once you get into the locker, once you get on that field, you're thinking about football. But these guys have family issues that they were dealing with, um, figuring out where they're going to stay when they get back home. You know, so I'm sure that was a big distraction because uh, to, to give up the, that many points to Jacksonville and just to get dominated the way they did, you know, I don't think anyone expects the Jacksonville Jaguars to be competitive in the NFC South, although uh, the, the Colts didn't look good either. So uh, <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> Didn't look good is an understatement there. <laughs> yeah, go yeah. there. I mean, when yeah. your head coach doesn't even know who just kicked your ass, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> he gave San yeah. Francisco credit. <laughs> I think San Francisco would take it, considering how they play. Thank you, Coach Pagano. We're one and zero. Oh man, maybe they were prepared to play San Francisco instead of <laughs> instead of the Rams. Uh, what do you think about the Rams, though? Yeah, the Colts are terrible, and I don't expect much from them. But Goff looked good. Gurley looked good. You got Sammy Watkins there now to throw the football. The defense played off the charts without Aaron Donald. Is this the start of something good there for Sean McVay's team? Yeah, I, I love their attitude. You know, I'm the, the, the things that you you can control as a football player, your attitude, your effort, your, your knowledge of the game. And, and I thought that they were very well prepared. They had a great attitude. They were, they were, they were working hard. They were fired up. And, and the effort was there. So I think it's just a preview of, of what you can possibly see. I don't expect the Rams to go out there every week and, and dominate the way they did. But it, it's great to see that they have confidence and they believe in their head coach. They, they're going to go out there and run their offense. And I, it was great to see Jared Goff have some success, especially after a, a very rough rookie season. So um, it was a good start for them. Hopefully they'll get some more fans to come watch the games and, uh, and, get, and get L.A. behind them and, and have some success this year. Uh, Eric, let me ask you about the first game of the season, and that was uh, last Thursday, Kansas City at New England. New England, they're being serenaded. They get the rings, and they're celebrating another Super Bowl, their fifth championship, of course. But KC, their defensive approach, what did you see in, in, in the manner in which they went after Tom Brady and, and smothered Gronkowski and, and, and won that ball game on the road? Oh, man, that was, it was exciting to, to see the Kansas City defense final around the way they did. You know, I thought Bob Sutton did a great job of, of game planning the, the uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots. You know, Bob Sutton was my defensive coordinator with the Jets for several years, so he's very familiar with, with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And I thought them getting pressure on Tom Brady, uh, you know, everyone always talks about getting him off his spot. And, and it's so important to make Tom Brady uncomfortable because when you get him on the move, it takes him from being, you know, an elite quarterback, you know, probably the best in the game, and it and it drops him down to just being very good. And when he's just very good, you give yourself a chance on defense, uh, especially with the playmakers they have on that side of the ball. You know, I thought Justin Houston did a good job of getting pressure. And you know, they they Rob Gronkowski didn't look like Gronk yesterday. You know, he I mean uh, on Thursday he he was very stiff. He didn't look like he was running the Chris Rouse. He didn't look as explosive. And I have to think that he's, that's just probably his back injuries uh, catching up to him a bit. But a great job by, by Kansas City Chiefs. They did a, a heck of a job. Alex Smith had a, had a great game. And, and it's, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be um, probably, probably – they're going to probably come out of the AFC West. And then they look very good. Gio and Jones with Eric Coleman now with CBS Sports Network talking some college football and NFL radio talking some – NFL football, nine years in the NFL. Oklahoma beats up on Ohio State, an extremely impressive victory for Baker Mayfield and his group. 
big concerns for Ohio State, big picture coming out of this or what? Oh, the, the, there's a lot of concerns out of Ohio State. I mean, you know, one, JT Barrett has, has not been throwing the ball down the field, uh, and that's, uh, that's concerning. You know, this is the quarterback who they're depending on, who, who they trust to lead their team. He's the leader of that offense. He's the leader of the team, and they can't drive the ball down the field. And, and what's even more concerning is Ohio State's secondary. I mean, they're giving up big play after big play, and they're supposed to be one of the top secondaries in the country. You know, that, that was very disappointing. You know, two well-coached – or, excuse me, a well-coached secondary, well-coached defense giving up big plays. Just out of clip, uh, Baker Mayfield looked great. He was, he was slinging the ball. He was confident. And, and I was really happy for Oklahoma. You know, after the last year getting the best on their home field, they had a real chip on their shoulder. They came in. They, they let everyone know they had a chip on their shoulder coming into the game. Then went out and showed, uh, showed what they can do. They dominated. And uh, it was just a great win for Oklahoma. Now, Eric, just so you know, if you ever want to be a guest on this show again, you can never be happy for Oklahoma, okay? Just, just want you to <laughs> take, take note of that. My bad, my bad. All right, yeah, your bad. Go Boise State. How about that? Yeah, what a comeback by Wazoo, but we don't want to talk about your crazy coach, the, the pirate, Mike Leach. I want to ask you about Notre Dame. We just had a healthy discussion last hour about Notre Dame, and, of course, they're disappointed they lost a one-point game to Georgia, but a lot of people seem to think that this team will tank much like they did a year ago. Do you foresee that happening? <laughs> I, you know, I sure hope not. You know, Brian, I, First of all, I don't know how Brian Kelly is still coaching there. <laughs> You know, when you think of a, a team like Notre Dame, you mm-hmm. think of a lot of success. And just how much controversy has come out of there, um, the, the inconsistency they've been playing with, uh, you know, I, I think I, he's definitely on the hot seat. And, and you know, you expect I expect more from Notre Dame. But, you know, listen, Georgia is a good football team. I, I think that um, out of the SEC, they're probably going to be uh, definitely top three. And, and you know, they they're, they put together a good game plan. Mm-hmm. But, um I hope that Notre Dame can can keep it together. You know, just for you know the, the tradition they have there at the university. They have a great fan base, great alumni base. I, I think that they have the support that they need. It's just going to be a fact. Can Brian Kelly keep the team believing in his message? We had a discussion earlier on the show. A couple of Notre Dame fans calling up saying that Brian Kelly is just not the guy anymore. One guy said he didn't have it. And he couldn't uh, give us a description of what it was, but he said he didn't have it. Uh, is he the long-term answer, in your opinion, there at Notre Dame? I, you know what? I don't, I don't think so. You know, it, there, there comes a time when, you know, when, when you have the rah-rah coaches, the coaches that always cursing people out, embarrassing guys, there, there comes a time when that kind of wears off and it loses its effect. Guys get tired of hearing it. And, and I think you're at that point in Notre Dame when, you know, players are tired of being embarrassed. They're, they're, they're not really catching on to his message anymore. And, and really the, the, the approach that he's taking with those players is it, just wearing off. So I think long-term they're going to have to look elsewhere for a coach to lead that program. You know, Notre Dame takes a lot of pride in their football teams. And uh, they, they take pride in, in, taking, in taking care of the home field advantage. And for them to get beat on the, the main scale like that uh, on the big stage, it's kind of embarrassing, but they did lose to a good team. So, but 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 ultimately, I think that Brian Kelly is is going to be out of Notre Dame. Brian Kelly ain't going nowhere, man. Y'all crazy. Y'all need to stop all that nonsensical talk. Nowhere. He's going nowhere. He had a bad season a year ago, four and eight. He will be just fine. Okay. Can we get that straight? Hey, how impressed are you with Clemson's new quarterback, Kelly Bryant? This kid is tough. 
Oh man, he, he, I mean, I thought I thought Deshaun Watson was still playing out there. Yeah. When I was watching him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was throwing the ball, he was running around the field, and, and I love what Dabo Sweeney does. You know what he brings to that that organization. You know the the Clemson kids are, are fired up. They 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 have so much talent over there, and and I just love the brand of football they're playing right now. That defense, man, smothering. You ever been on? I know you played on some good defenses with the Jets, but uh, the way they ball the other night and, and Auburn's defense is nothing to sneeze at. But clearly, Clemson has the better D. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Clemson. They show they can stop the run, stopping Petway. Uh, they were all over the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. They they really did it all. You know, their defensive line was was getting after the quarterback, stopping the run. Um, I, I love the swagger that their defensive backs have. You know, I. You know me. I'm a, I'm a former DB, so uh, I'm looking at the looking at how they play on third and short, how they play, how they challenge the receivers, and, and they were not hesitant to get up in the faces of the Auburn receivers and, and really just just dominate. You know, it, it, it was it was great to see a team play with that much discipline, that much swagger, and that much edge. It was, it was um, you know, Clemson's going to be a good team. Of the four teams that are playing tonight on Monday Night Football, is there one that you are interested in above the others? I guess Denver, but I don't know. These four of these teams don't interest me whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I mean the league has got to got to get it right with the with the Monday Night Football schedules. Uh, you know, there are a lot of questions coming out of Denver. You know, um, who's going to be their quarterback? Hopefully, Brock Osweiler doesn't make his way uh, under center. But you know. Th- <laughs> But at the end of the day, everybody's going to watch it. You know, it's Monday Night Football, um, the, the first Monday night of the season. It's a doubleheader. You got Peterson against the Vikings, and people will be into that. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good one. But I don't expect Adrian Peterson to come out and, and just dominate the, the Vikings. I mean, they have a very good defense. They're going to take pride. I, I'm sure the one player they're not going to let beat them is Adrian Peterson just because they don't feel like it, you know, explaining themselves to, to the world. But, you know, Mike Zimmer always leads uh, the Vikings with some good defense. Their secondary is probably one of the best in the NFL. So th- that's going to be a good challenge. You know, Drew Brees versus the secondary of the, the Minnesota Vikings. I, I think that will probably be uh, the, the exciting matchup to watch. Eric, always great talking to you. Thanks for the time, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, fellas. You guys have a great week. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 